This morning's message is entitled, Eternally Significant Resolutions. I was watching Jeff's message from last week, and it was so wonderful uh, and so invigorating for my encouragement and my uh, thoughts for this year. You know, he got up at the beginning and he said, how many of us make resolutions? How many of us don't care about them? And then I was like, what about me? I make them, and then like in two weeks... I kind of forget about them, right? And uh, sometimes that's okay. Uh, sometimes it's not. Uh, this year, Crystal and I have made a resolution to be more healthy. We will not let that one go in two weeks. We are working very diligently, or we will work very diligently. <laughs> but it is something that is important to us. We want to be uh, honoring God with our bodies and uh, helpful to our family. So we're really working on that. But Even just going back to last week, listening to Jeff teach the Word of God, he said something that was so brilliantly important that I want to remind us of it again and then launch from that uh, into this morning and even next week as we think about two or three weeks of eternally significant uh, resolutions. He said that's the only kind that you should try to make. And I just can't agree with him more. Isn't it true that there are so many options? You can call them resolutions or commitments uh, or goals. And I'm not saying that any of them are bad. But I just think that as people of God, when Jeff said we need to make eternally significant resolutions, I thought, man, that is hitting the nail on the head. That is good stuff. And I want for us to learn to do that because as I was listening, I said, absolutely. And how do we do that on a regular basis? Like if you hear that, probably you too would say, yeah, that's dead on. But how do we do that in real life? And, and Jeff gave some pointers last week and they were important. If you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go back and watch that a message, but I want to continue with that same thought. I want for us to think about what are eternally significant resolutions as we think about what do I want my 2024 to look like. Another thing that's important is that we want to set eternally significant resolutions so that we can be confident that this is important to God all year long. And so this morning, I want to invite you to open to Luke chapter 5. That's where we're going to be for sure this week and next, perhaps into the following weeks as well. But in Luke chapter 5, we are going to be looking at eternally significant resolutions. If you're here this morning and you don't have a Bible and you need one, we'd we'd love to give you one. If you're online with us and you need a copy of the Bible, we would love to share one with you. But this morning in Luke chapter 5, I'm going to look at the first 11 verses as we think about and as we begin to walk through some resolutions this week and next that are eternally significant. God's word says, verse 1, on one occasion while the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gesineret and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and they were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little bit from the land, and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Now, if that's strange or weird or awkward to you, let me just give a very quick 
rationale for why Jesus did that. Back in those days, there was no microphone or PA system. There was no electricity to push sound out through speakers. And so the best way if you were near water would be to get on a boat, come out just a little bit onto the water so that your voice could travel over the water. It was an amplification reason that Jesus would have done that. So he began teaching them. In verse 4 it says, And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered him, Master, we've toiled all night and we've took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. What a great problem to have. You catch so many fish that your nets are breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both of the boats, so much so that they were in danger of sinking. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and he said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon and Jesus, said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. Or some of your translations say, From now on you will be fishers of men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him. I want to be clear as we begin this morning that God didn't inspire and record and preserve this section of Scripture so that in 2024 we could just mine it for New Year's resolutions. He gave us this text for a much larger purpose, uh, and I want to make sure that we have the larger purpose in view so that we then can appropriately say what would we glean from this or how would we respond to this. The the main idea or the main point to this text is that Jesus is so much more than simply a good teacher. Now certainly he was a great teacher. In fact, everybody was mesmerized by Jesus. They would run from town to town to hear him teach. They loved to hear him teach. In fact, the scripture says that the crowd was pressing in. They wanted to hear the teaching ministry of Jesus. And if we were just to leave it there, we could say, absolutely, Jesus was a master teacher. I could give you ten reasons that Jesus was a master teacher. But this text says that Jesus is more than a master teacher. This text teaches us that Jesus is not just a teacher, but he, in fact, is Lord over creation. It's important for us to pause and think about that as we build our perspective of who Jesus is and who Jesus understood himself to be. And it's important for us to remember that on the day that Jesus said to Simon Peter, who was a professional fisherman, hey, go over there and fish. And they caught so many fish that their nets were breaking that there's a specific reason that that happened. And it wasn't because Jesus got up early and uh, pulled up his iPhone and went to the fishing app to see what the tides were doing and where the fish were biting. And so he could say to him, hey, there's the fish. Now Jesus could tell him where to catch the fish because Jesus created the fish. And one of the significant points of this text is that Jesus is not just a teacher. And I understand that in our culture, oftentimes that's the extent and limit 
to which people will acknowledge Jesus as a teacher. He was a good guy. He was a good teacher. He said nice things. He was more. He was Lord of creation, and he is Lord of creation. And this text demonstrates that. He's not only Lord over creation, but he's Lord over our lives, which in, in essence falls under the umbrella of Lord over creation. But uniquely, Jesus is Lord over the lives of humans. And I, I'm certain that you felt this or you, you noticed it when we read it. And I just want to make this point and we'll go on and we'll say, in light of who Jesus is, then how do we make these eternally significant resolutions? But I want you just to notice that at the last part of what we read, Jesus said, you don't have to be afraid because from now on you're going to be a fisher of men. Do you know that Jesus didn't ask Simon Peter that day if that was okay with him? He just declared it. He just presumed lordship over Simon Peter's life. And in that one instant and interaction with Jesus, Simon Peter was transformed. His perspective was different. His trajectory was different. Like everything about Simon Peter changed that one day. Why? Because Jesus is Lord over individual lives. And I know that we're going to look this morning and say, okay, that being true, then how do we say what are eternally significant resolutions? And we're going to do that in like 30 seconds. But before I do that, I have to say to you that if you are still resisting the lordship of Jesus in your life, I want to encourage you to, to submit and to yield and just to say, Lord, I'm not going to submit to your lordship. I'm not going to continue to reject your lordship anymore. I want to surrender to it. That's an important step for us to make spiritually. Now, having said all of that, uh, having understood that this text is about Jesus being more than an engaging teacher, uh, but instead him being Lord over creation in our lives, let's look at this text and say, how did Simon Peter respond in such a profound way that it might set for me and perhaps for you, resolutions or commitments or goals that will be fruitful and meaningful and life-changing all the months of the year. We're looking at one this morning. You see there, it's before you. It benefits everyone for me to hear and follow the voice of Christ. As we walk through this text slowly, as we think about eternally significant resolutions, I believe that's the starting point as we think about Simon Peter's response to the Lord of all creation. He heard and he followed the voice of Christ. Now, if you're making notes this morning, please make sure that you write down both, hear and follow. Those are both important, important aspects. Hear and follow the voice of Christ. This is an important skill for believers uh, to continue to grow in. It's an important resolution for us to have. It's an important thing that is true of January the 7th, and it will be true on December the 31st of this year, that we hear 
and follow the voice of Christ. Now, I want to lay before you this morning three obstacles, three difficulties, three reasons that that might be difficult. If not for you today, maybe for you in the future, I will submit to you that I think that there are three obstacles that we see in the Scripture. We've already read them. Uh, The first one is the obstacle of fatigue. We need to hear and obey. We need to hear and follow the voice of Christ through fatigue. We may not have focused on this when we read over it, but I just want you to remember something about Simon Peter and his business associates. They'd been up all night. And intellectually and emotionally, they believed that they were done for the day. They were over there washing and mending their nets. They'd been out all night long, and they were wrapping up They were getting ready to go down and grab some breakfast somewhere probably and then take a nap before the day started, right? They were tired. And still, Simon Peter heard and followed the voice of Christ. Now I want to quickly just pivot and come to a point of application and and say to you, there'll be times this year that you will be tired. You will be fatigued. About what? I have no idea. There's a hundred thousand things that can make us fatigued, right? We have physical tiredness, which is probably what Simon Peter was experiencing. But there's other types of fatigue. There's emotional fatigue. And maybe some of you are emotionally tired right now over something or over many things. Maybe some of us are physically tired right now. Maybe we've been putting in a lot of hours or we've been giving a lot of our time or energy to something and really we're just kind of emotionally or physically or spiritually out of breath. And can I just tell you this? When that's true of our lives, it makes hearing and refusing to follow the voice of Christ that much more tempting because when we're tired, we want it our way. Isn't that true? We get cranky, we get frustrated, we want it our way. So I don't know if you're tired today or not, if you're walking through fatigue either physically or emotionally or spiritually. Maybe, maybe your reserves are shot and you're tired yourself. Maybe it's not today, but maybe it's coming some point in this future. You're exhausted. Maybe a family member is exhausting you, or maybe a circumstance is exhausting you. I want to set before you the good news that even in seasons of fatigue, you can hear and follow the voice of Christ. And I encourage you to do that. The second obstacle, we need to hear and follow the voice of Christ through failure. That's one of the most disheartening things that you or I ever face when we try to do something and we fail. We try to do this, it doesn't work out, and we feel upset. We feel angry, sometimes at ourselves. sometimes our failure and our frustration of our failure. We don't take it out on ourselves. we take it out on other people. But sometimes in our failure, we are very tempted to abandon the goodness of God and the very one who has never failed us, who has never let us down. But sometimes we feel that sense, that temptation, temptation to walk away from the Lord, even if it's just for a moment when we've experienced failure in our life. Now, I got to tell you this. If I go fishing and I catch nothing, I don't care. Doesn't bother me. But I'm not a professional fisherman. 
And I can't understand the weight of what it must have meant for these professional fishermen to go out all night and catch nothing. And then here is Jesus saying, well, if you'll go right over there, you'll catch it. Has anybody ever given you advice you didn't want? You know how annoying that is. And it's always something like, well, I don't want to tell you how to do it, but you know what's about to happen, right? They're going to tell you how to do it. Now, we don't know all of the emotions that were going through Simon Peter and his business associates' minds, hearts. We don't know any of that. But here's what I know. They completely struck out. They completely failed at their job that night. They didn't make any money. They didn't make any sales, right? They didn't move their business forward. In fact, they wasted a lot of resources and a lot of time and energy. And yet, Simon Peter heard and followed the voice of Christ. Now, what is the lesson for you and I in that? Look, I'm telling you right now, in 2024, in 2024, you are going to fail at something. I'm telling you right now. I hope that doesn't make you anxious. If it does, I am so sorry. But I'm telling you that when we try things, we fail. And we get upset. And we get angry. And what I'm saying to you, my friend, is this year, in real life, even in moments of failure, let us have the courage to hear and follow the voice of Christ. The third obstacle We need to hear and follow the voice of Christ through confusion. And for some of us, that might be the reason that God brought you here today is just to hear this word that it is okay to be confused and continue to hear and to follow the voice of Christ. I want you to go back and look with me at what Simon Peter said. Now, here is the Lord demonstrating, I am more than a teacher. I am the Lord of creation. I am the Lord of human beings. And he says, I want you to put out for a catch. In verse 5, Simon Peter, Master, we have toiled all night. There's fatigue. We've took nothing. There's failure. But at your word, I will let down the nets. What's he saying? I don't understand this at all. But I'll do it. I don't understand it at all. But because you say it, Master, I will do it. I don't want you to have not one day of confusion In 2024. But should you find yourself there, may you have the wisdom and discernment to hear and follow the voice of Christ, not just through fatigue and failure, but even when you might experience confusion. Because we can get confused about all kinds of things. There's so many decisions that you and I have to make on a regular basis. Important ones that can make us confused. 
There are new things that we'll face that we'll be confused or unsure about. May we hear and follow the voice of Christ through it all. And then the question is, how do I do this? You see in your notes, if you have your notes in front of you, before we close today, we want to talk about how can I do this and then why would I do this? So to answer the question, how can I do this? Because you may see that resolution, eternally significant resolution, hear, obey the voice of Christ. You're in, absolutely, Pastor Zach, I want to do that. I see these three obstacles that I need to do this through. How do I do this? I'm going to give you two ways today. Uh, the first one is be disciplined in Bible reading. Because time-logged reading the Bible is time-logged hearing God speak to us. And it's important for us to understand that. Why do we read the Bible? Because we want to hear from God. If you're here this morning and your faith or your spiritual walk is a little dry and you're saying to yourself, I I just don't really feel like I'm hearing from God, uh, are you in the Bible? Time-logged in the Bible is time-logged hearing the voice of God. Some of us may be here thinking, maybe God is speaking to me as I read the Bible, but I have a hard time reading the Bible. So if God is speaking to me in the Bible, God must be speaking a different language because it's not English. I'm, I'm not hearing from God at all. I'm there reading it, and I close it 15 minutes later, and I look up at the clock, and I go, I have no idea what I just read, and I don't know what God is saying to me. You may be saying God might be engaging me, but it's in a different language. I'll never forget when my wife, girlfriend at the time, started meeting my family. Now, there's different flavors of Southerners. You have to know that. There are city Southerners and there are redneck Southerners. Now, you, don't, you may not know this because you may not know all the flavors of Southerners. My beloved wife is a city Southerner. She grew up in Houston, which is a huge city. And I grew up as a redneck. And I have a flavor of redneckness that's from South Louisiana. If you've ever heard of Cajuns, that's where Cajuns come from. From the swamps of South Louisiana. And I had an uncle named Gerald Chenier. And he is the Cajunest Cajun you've ever met in your whole life. And I'll never forget when they met. Uncle Gerald starts talking and... Crystal is staring at his lips. And he's talking for five minutes. He finally turns and walks away. And this is no kidding. It's honest truth. She looks at me and said, what language was that? I said, well, that's English. She said, well, not where I'm from. I said, exactly. (laughs) But she felt frustrated because he was communicating. She was trying to pick it up. And she, and maybe that's how you feel when you read the Bible. You're like, man, I know God has something for me. But it's in a different dialect or something. I'm just not hearing what it is that God wants to say. And if that's where you're at, I want to help you just practically just for a couple of moments. It may be that you either need to add or subtract some things from your Bible reading time. Uh, and so let me just walk through some of the add and subtracting things that we might need. You may need to add, and these are super practical. You may need to add paper and pen to your Bible reading time. 
Uh, if you struggle with retention or you struggle with comprehension, uh, you may just want to sit down with something that you can write with. Well, this is so helpful for me. I sit down with a paper and pen every time I read the scripture so that I can make notes, so that I can ask questions, so that I can write down verbs, so that I I can just talk through uh, on paper what it is that's going through my mind or my heart. Maybe you need to add pen and paper. Maybe you need to add a purposeful plan. Now, anybody who picks up the Bible to read it, I applaud. But I want to say to you that if in your Bible reading, your strategy... Is to put the Bible on the table and then say, Lord, just let me open this to wherever you want it to be. And, and that's where I'll read. If that's the way that you read the Bible, I want to share with you that there's a better way. There's a more purposeful plan. And you can do one of two things. You can either think of a topic that's really close to your heart. And you can say, I'm going to go through the Bible and find all the texts that talk about this. It can be love. It can be discipleship. It can be end times. It can be beginning times. It can be about things that are important in this world today, racism and abortion. It can be over anything, right? Like you can just say, I want to learn what the Bible teaches about this. Now you have a purposeful plan. Or you can say, I just want to read through one of the books of the Bible. I'm going to read through Jeremiah. Or I'm going to read through Matthew. Or I'm going to read through Revelation. But, but maybe you need to add, if, if you're not hearing from exactly what God wants to teach you as you're reading the Bible, maybe you need to add a purposeful plan. Maybe you need to subtract some things. You know what? I had to learn to subtract electronics. My phone is so helpful in so many ways. But when I want to spend time with God and his word, it is the biggest distraction ever. And I had to learn how to subtract that part from my Bible reading. Maybe we need to subtract lesser priorities that get the best of our time. And what I mean by that is that if if hearing from God, if hearing the voice of God speak to us through his word is important that we need to place it on the timeline of our day where it's going to get the best of us instead of getting the leftover of us. And so maybe just as, as you're thinking, I, I know that God wants to speak to me through his word, but I have a hard time hearing from God and his word. Maybe it's just adding or subtracting. So how can I do this? Number one, be disciplined in Bible reading. Secondly, value the will of God over the will of self. Value the will of God over the will of self. When I come to the Bible saying, Lord, I want your will and not mine, I'm going to hear from the Lord so much better than if I've got my dukes up ready to fight God and his word because he wants one thing and I want the other one. But the will of self is so alluring, isn't it? I was thinking about that as I was getting ready for this message. Why is it that I am perpetually so tempted by the will of myself over the will of God? Why is that something that I'm always fighting and working through? And I wrote down three reasons that I think, and maybe this is not true for you, but I can tell you three reasons that the will of self is so alluring for me. It flows from my own heart and my own desires, and my own longings. So of course I want to do the will of self, right? Because it's my own twisted heart, or my own broken mind, 
that is telling me these are your longings and your desires. But in real life, I long for the Lord. But there's these desires inside of me that produce the will of self. Another reason it's so alluring is because it's by far the most popular perspective or worldview or philosophy, if you want to call that. Doing the will of self is out there everywhere. And it's masked in all these cool and catchy sayings. And you may even find yourself saying these. And so, if so, you do you. That is saying the will of self. Go and do the will of whatever you want to do. You do you. You do whatever it is that you want. Make yourself happy. Put yourself first. Right? Follow your heart. These are all phrases that coach us and walk us towards the will of self. And so one reason it's so alluring is because it's what's going on in here. But another reason that it's so alluring is because this is by far the most popular perspective or worldview that you and I live in today. For me, this third reason is a primary reason because when the will of self is spoken internally, it's always spoken in my voice. And my voice has been speaking to me for 43 years, and I've, I just tend to trust my voice. I'm not saying I should. You know, it's important for us to understand we shouldn't believe everything that we think. But we think in our own voice. And it's easy to believe everything that we think because it's always the voice that is most known to me, which is my own. The will of self is very alluring. So how do I do this? How do I hear and follow the voice of Christ for this whole year? Be a devoted and disciplined Bible reader and learn to value the will of God over the will of self. Why would I do this? I close with this. I want to do this because I love the Lord. I don't mean to give you a church answer. I know that sounds like a church answer because I love Jesus. But can I just tell you, that's the honest reason that I want to hear and follow the voice of Christ. Because I love Jesus. And Jesus isn't secretive. About five times in the Gospels, he says, if you love me, five times, if you love me, different places, if you love me, and then he says, if you love me, this is what I want you to do. Do you know all five times Jesus says, if you love me, you will do what I've commanded. That's why I want to hear and obey the voice of Christ because I want to express my love for Jesus the way that he has said he wants to receive it. And one final reason that I want to really do this well this year is because I want to have a strong spiritual life. I want to, I want to give you a scripture and encourage you to write this down and, and go back and study this. We can't dive into it because of time. But I want to encourage you to write down Luke chapter 6. Verses 47 and 48. This is also in Matthew chapter 7. When Jesus gives his Sermon on the Mount, which is the one that everybody knows, 
love your enemy, right? Turn the other cheek. He finishes it. It's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's Luke as well. He finishes it by telling a story of two types of people. A person who builds their house on a rock and the person who builds their house on sand. And there's two things that are common for both of them. One is that the storms come for both. Now, Chris was talking about that earlier. The storms come. Sometimes we see them, sometimes we don't. But the one who built their house on the rock, Jesus says, the one who hears my word and does it. The one who built their house on the sand, the one who hears my word and doesn't do it. They both heard the word. But the big difference is what you do with it. I want to hear and follow the voice of Christ because I love Jesus and because I want to live on the rock. And I hope that you do as well. Father, as we close this morning, oh, thank you for a glorious morning. Thank you for that line that we were reminded of this morning. I may not know what you're doing, but I know what you've already done. We trust you. Help us, O Lord, to have the power and the wisdom and the holy stubbornness that we need to hear and do whatever it is that you call us to do through your word. Thank you for a good morning. Thank you, O Lord, for my brothers and my sisters who are here, for my friends. Bless them, O Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.